Welcome to season six of Community. Uganda has one of the youngest populations in the world, and we at SeedSource are cognizant of this fact. So, for the next three months, we will feature young people between the ages of 16 and 35 who are rallying time, talent, and treasure to solve problems and push social agenda in their communities. Welcome, welcome everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are. Welcome to this episode of the Community Podcast. My name is Peace and I'm very, very delighted to have Ivan as our guest uh, this, this morning. I want to ask Ivan to introduce himself. Ivan, tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us what you do, what area of, of philanthropy you're involved in and how it all started. Yes, thank you, Peace. Hello, listeners. Uh, my name is Ivan Akor. I am uh, firstly a type 1 diabetic for the last um, 11 years now. I am also a lawyer. Uh, I also uh, volunteer as a programs manager outreach with the Sonia Nabeta Foundation. For me, the passion or the reason for why I do what we do is really started with my diagnosis with uh, type 1 diabetes. It's a very uncommon, unheard of, and misunderstood condition in Uganda. And when I was diagnosed, we had no idea of how to handle it. Certainly, it was very expensive getting the, the insulin, the syringes, the, the strips, and all the uh, the other materials that we needed to, to, to give me a chance to, to leave. Fast forward, uh, fast forward to I think, I think the first lockdown, I think was in 2020, last year, I think. We realized uh, that the problems that were existing for type 1 diabetics in Uganda, such as access to, to, to supplies, to the essential supplies, um, access to hospitals for review and the like were worsened by the lockdown. For perspective, I want to say that what happened was when the lockdown, the first wave hit the country, there was a total lockdown of movement, all kinds of movement. And those who could access the movement were basically people who were working within the government sphere. Now, to put further, to provide more context, it's very unfortunate that type one diabetes in Uganda mostly affects uh, children or young adults who come from um, social, social areas of disadvantaged socioeconomic areas or backgrounds. So you, you're in a position, they find themselves in a position where from the get-go they are facing challenges to stay alive. And so during the lockdown, uh, it became even more apparent that many warriors, we call them warriors, uh, because we believe that uh, fighting or living with type one diabetes is, is, is a fight that goes on every day. And for them to be able to get through every day, it takes a spirit of a warrior to do that. And so um, we realized that our warriors were not getting the much in the strips. They were not able to meet their doctors. 
I happen to have a bike that uh, that was given to me as a gift. I think in my primary five, I think that was about 2000 and, uh, 2005. And somehow I'd managed to, to keep it <laughs> functional up until 2020. And when one of the children with type 1 diabetes called me up and asked me if I had any spare vials of insulin, I did have one or two. I told them, yes, I do have. And the warrior explained to me that they wanted to get the run out of insulin and they needed more, but there was no way they could get to the clinic. And this was a, the, the clinic was about, uh, or is about, uh, out about 16 kilometers away from, from their home. So walking was really out of the option. And so I decided uh, that uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ride to the warrior and deliver to him the insulin that I had. Of course, that meant that I personally would have less and I would also probably someday get to run short of, of the insulin. Uh, so that was my first delivery that I made. And I did not know that a couple of days later, about three more warriors would call me and ask me if I had extra vials. Uh, unfortunately, I did not have. So what I decided to do was to, to liaise with the the clinic at Mulago Hospital, the diabetes clinic at Mulago Hospital. And I spoke to them and told them about the challenges that uh, some of the warriors were having. And I spoke to them and told them that, look, if you're willing to give me these warriors insulin vials and their syringes and their strips, I have no problem riding to the hospital, picking them up and delivering it to them. So I did deliveries to Boyagere, uh, Kutintale, Bukoto, Kasangati. I did one to Seta. Uh, these are quite, uh, quite very big distances. So it, it, it is challenging riding there because one, you are a diabetic yourself. And two, it, it's, a, it's a bicycle. You're not used to riding bicycles. You're used to using uh, taxis or buses to get, to get to places. And now you have to ride. After that, I did engage with, uh, with the Sonia Nabeta Foundation. And um, we realized that, one, it's not, it wasn't really sustainable on my part to be able to deliver this to every warrior. And we decided that we are going to design an, an ad hoc uh, distribution system using a, a border border. Border borders are what you'd call commercial motorcycles. So again, to provide context, uh, Bicycles and, of course, vehicles that were cleared were allowed to move, but as well, commercial border borders that were carrying goods were also allowed to move. So we decided we'll use that, that loophole to be able to, to get the insulin to, to these warriors. So I, I, I shifted the, the delivery to the, the, the borders, but what I... Now, I started doing was to reach out to every warrior that I could. So instead of going to the hospital to, to pick the insulin, I would go there to get contacts of the, of the warriors, call them up and, and ask and find out whether they had insulin, where they stayed, how we can get them the insulin. So we did that for Kampala and the Greater Kampala, and we delivered the uh, insulin to about um, 
I think about 30 to 40 warriors within the lockdown period. Wow, Ivan, you were a busy man last year. Yes, it was a, <laughs> it was a, busy, a busy period. You, you see, when you do visit the warriors, it's, it's not just, you get to realize it's not just the, the insulin that they need or that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. You understand how COVID and the lockdown and the pandemic has really had an effect, psychological and mental health effect on people. And type one diabetics, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit hard on them because one, we are prone to depression because already you're dealing with a situation where you have a condition you're going to live with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You have to take screen, you have to take shots, insulin shots every, every day to stand a chance to, to, you know, to have a, a productive life. So it was not only that, we ended up dealing also with psychosocial challenges that the, that the diabetics had. I think when you said that um, type one diabetics are prone to, to, to depression and already with, with all of the information that we have around COVID-19 is yeah. that people who have diabetes are, or, and some other pre-existing conditions are more, are more likely to, to suffer the effects of, of COVID-19, COVID. Yes. have it worse than people who don't. Who don't. And so I, I really must applaud you for this work that you are doing in, a, in, a, in, a, in an already tough season uh, because of the pandemic and the lockdown that came after, um, as a result of that. But Evan, can it you is. just paint, paint a picture for us? When you say type 1 diabetes, what does that mean? Uh, for the person who's listening and, and hearing you emphasize that it's type one, what what is it about it that makes it different from, I don't know, is it type two? Are there more types than 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 type one? Yeah, so firstly, I think there's so many types of diabetes. Majorly, majorly there are two types. And I want to start with uh, type two diabetes. So type two diabetes is what is commonly you know, noticed and seen in, in, in the world globally. So type 2 diabetes is a situation where, for instance, somebody produces just enough insulin or little insulin, and the pancreas does function and produces just a little insulin. And so it can be, it's a condition that can be reversed in some instances with diet and exercise. In some instances, they will need insulin therapy to do that. And this type of insulin is this, rather, this type of diabetes is prevalent amongst the elderly, so probably from 45 onwards. And it's a condition that, that is usually caused by, sometimes by a sedentary lifestyle, sometimes by people's diet, sometimes. Now, type 1 diabetes is different in a way that uh, usually it is caused by an autoimmune reaction. So basically what happens for type 1s in most cases is your white blood cells confuse the the cells that produce insulin, the hormone insulin, to be foreign bodies. So they move ahead and destroy them. In essence, your pancreas becomes unable to produce any insulin whatsoever. Now what that means is that you basically have to, to administer or inject yourself with insulin every day for the rest of your your life. Also, it means you have to monitor your sugars, your glucose levels, because 
your body cannot do that for you. Your body does not know how much you need, how much insulin you need, when you need it. So you have to do the monitoring by yourself. Now, I just want to say this, that no type of, ins- no type of diabetes is better than the other because they all lead to the same complications if not catered for. But I'll say this, type one diabetes is prevalent amongst the young. So we're talking children. I think in Uganda, they, we've had, uh, they, they diagnosed a child of about six months, Amulago, with uh, type one diabetes. So it's prevalent amongst the young the children, adolescents and young adults. But of course, also the old can get it. And type two is prevalent amongst the elderly, 45 and above. So I would say that's the main uh, difference, that type 1s have to use insulin all the time, inject themselves with insulin all the time. And type 2s may not necessarily. They may need uh, tablets. They may need exercise and diet, dietary changes, and they will be good to go. That's very helpful because I'm sure now uh, our listeners, I mean, even I, just getting an understanding of the two different types and, and what makes what constitutes the two different types is very helpful for me to understand and for our listeners, I'm sure, to understand, I guess, even the gravity of your giving. Gravity, yes. Yeah. So the, the gravity of, 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 of what it, it, it does to, to, to somebody when you do have type 1 diabetes. But it even for me, then it means that your, your actions and your acts of giving are therefore even more significant significant because the act of getting onto a bicycle in the middle of of a pandemic to go to the national referral hospital which is Mulago hospital and and ferrying and ferrying drugs to what you call warriors and i think that's an excellent phrase and and and, <laughs> and name to call yeah to call everybody who who's uh, battling this disease yes, that that in itself is and it's it's amazing it's 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 uh it's what philanthropy is all about it's what african philanthropy is all about this love for humanity that we are able to give not just of our money but of our time and and of our resources in whatever in this case your resource of being a bicycle <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yeah in a time of crisis especially yeah. So uh, how did you and, and the Sonia Naveta Foundation come together? Because I know somewhere in your story, you went from finding, you know, sharing your own medication. Yes. And we, we, just from the description of, of the condition, that in itself is, is an act of selflessness and, and generosity right there. But then to moving to the National Referral Hospital Mulago to then connecting with the, with the Sonia Foundation. How did that happen? So the Sonia and Better Foundation was, uh, maybe if I, give a, if I can give a brief background, it was uh, formed in, uh, I think, 2015 in honor of uh, Miss Sonia Nabeta, who was type 1 diabetic herself. And um, I think 2015, 2016, is when I first encountered them. Uh, I, was, I was recommended by the clinic manager at uh, Nsambia Clinic, Diabetes Clinic to participate in a, in a camp as a counselor. So that was my first engagement with them. I did participate in a camp hosted by them as a counselor where I got to meet warriors uh, in Gulu. Actually, I think this was in Gulu. 
in Gulu. So we have been doing, I've been participating in camps organized by them, where again, we've been meeting warriors from different uh, regions of the country, the East, the West, and the South. And my engagement with them on this particular one started because I realized that what I was doing was, I mean, I had the passion, but I realized it was not tenable in the long run. And there was no, there was no idea how long the lockdown was going to last. And yet, clearly, there were more warriors who I need. So I reached out to them and shared with them what I was doing. I asked them if they could, if they could step in or, and develop a, you know, a, a quick response. A quick response, especially for this, uh, COVID, this lockdown period, the, the lockdown period that we're uh, undergoing. And uh, their response was to create a network of border borders, as I stated earlier, border borders with commercial motorcycles that could help ferry the, the insulin to these warriors. So I did the creation of the networks, understanding the distances, understanding where the warriors stayed, and they would help provide the logistics that we badly needed to help the warriors uh, receive their essential supplies. So what I'm hearing, um, Ivan, is that you went from being, for, for lack of a better word, a beneficiary yeah. of the foundation's work to then paying it forward and becoming part of, of, of um, a collaboration, creating a partnership with them so that you could then share or pass on what you had received to others who are in need um, just like you had been a while back. Yes, that, that is true. You see, when you are, when you go to participate in some of these camps, it is an honor because it teaches you some of the life skills that you need. It teaches you, for instance, how to, um, how to prepare for, I would say in hindsight, for the lockdown, for instance. Uh, however, not every warrior has a chance to to, to, to participate in these. As I said, they are sometimes best in different regions. And for instance, maybe the Kampala people who are in the center do miss out on some of these other things. At camps, we are taught, or we teach the warriors to, to think about what an impact they can create for their fellow warriors. Because one of the ways we can help other warriors to live a better life, to listen to their doctors, to want to be to want to do better is by inspiring them, motivating them, and showing them the way. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me, this was an opportunity to show not just the young ones, but even my peers, my diabetic peers, that look, we do not have to sit back and wait for somebody else to come and do these things. We can start from where we are. If you have a spare vial of insulin, if you have a spare box of strips, if you have a spare pack of syringes, get it to me. I'll come to wherever you are, pick it up and take it to these warriors. If you have warriors around you, if you do not have the insulin or the syringes or the strips, you can go to them, go to their homes, visit them, speak to them. How are they, find out how they're doing in this lockdown. So the platform that the foundation created was that it made me understand that we can do more than we think we can and that we don't have to wait for people or for for somebody to inject tons of of money into us for us to be able to get up 
and do something. That we can start from where we are with what we have. As long as we have the passion, as long as we care about our people, our fellow people, we just need to just, you know, get up, do what you can do and pray that somebody can hold your hand as you're doing that. Ivan, you said something there that I've had over and over and over as this season um, with every episode that we're hosting, that your fellow young people have been saying, we can do more than we think we can. That's the first um, refrain that I've had. The other is start from where you are with what you have. I've had those two phrases over and over and over. Even as we even as we go through this this season, and I I must say that it's 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 a great thing to hear. It's a great thing to hear, especially when you hear it from from young people saying we 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 don't need a lot to start this journey of of, of giving and generosity and philanthropy. We don't need a lot yeah. of money. That's not what it that's not what it takes. That's not what it's about. It's a it's a level of consciousness about the needs of people around you, around you and the willingness to say, what do I have in my hand, in my house, in my kitchen, in my suitcase or wardrobe, or what knowledge do I have? What skills do I possess that I can share with them? Certainly. You realize that unfortunately we never have much, but also sometimes the people who need, do not need much as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what i've realized sometimes it takes just a call to make somebody stay i'll tell you this sometimes you go to a clinic so you ask for a day off at work or you just ask for a break from work and you go to a clinic and you spend your entire morning and afternoon speaking to the young ones so at the end of the day they they'll call you back when they get home and they tell you this has been the best day of my life i i thought i was going to give up but after speaking to you, I feel very energized. I feel like I can take this on. And that just shows you that sometimes all people need is just a little of you, a little from you. And which, which we always have, which we always have. We always have the, just a little. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again, when you say, uh, just as you say, your conscience. And in Africa, Another person's wellness is indeed our wellness. Yeah. Versus, versus diabetics, it's, that's the point of it, it, it hurts, it pains to hear that you have lost a fellow diabetic to poor control or poor management of their condition. It pains to hear that one of you has been admitted to hospital in a coma or because of a uh, high episode of, of uh, high, an episode of high glucose levels, it pains. And you realize that sometimes you can help them avoid such situations by just giving a little that you have, giving a little of your time. If you have an extra pair or an extra pack of syringes, box of strips, or an extra vial of insulin that you're not going to need in the, in the medium term or the short term, you can share with with somebody else. So for me, I, 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 I've never believed that we are unable to, to give just because we don't have much. We always have enough to give. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing 
these really personal, <laughs> very <laughs> personal okay. stories with us. <laughs> Even just giving us a bit of an education on on type one diabetes. I'm um, oh, yeah. sure somebody who, for some people, it may be the first time that we're hearing about it, or if Certainly. we, if or if we have, at least now. We we probably have a slightly better understanding. Better understanding, yes. Yeah, of what it's of what it means to to have type one diabetes, and mm-hmm. we wish you all the very best, even as you continue this work that you're doing, and supporting the different people that you're supporting with the different partnerships that you formed along the way. Thank you so much for hosting me. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share type one diabetes in. Uh, in Uganda and uh, the efforts we are trying to to make a better and holistic life for uh, the young ones with T1D. At the end of this season, Sipsos will be hosting our annual gathering of givers on 30th of September. You are all invited. <laughs>